Hey friends, just a quick disclaimer before we start this episode. We talk a little bit about Elon Musk and Twitter and that whole situation, uh, but for context, we've recorded this uh, we've recorded this November second, so this Wednesday. So this is before uh, this week's massive layoffs that happen um, on Friday, uh, and I know that uh, both Kevin and I, uh, how we feel about this whole thing has changed. So just keep that in context, and I'm sure we're gonna. We're going to follow up uh, on a future episode for sure. But um, yeah, just wanted to let that be clear. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, start the episode. Editor, how does this work? Start. How does... Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning to you. Top of the morning to you, sir. Yeah, I'm up. I did it. How early is it for you? It's not very early, actually. I woke up at 6. It's 8.20 right now. What about you? I had to wake up <laughs> at 7.30. Um, yeah. I feel for you. Yeah, this is very unusual for me. I appreciate you. We were trying different schedules. We're trying stuff because uh, recording at nights has become a bit more challenging for me to make it fit. So appreciate you, uh, you know, accommodating that. So yeah, so this is brand new, like new energy levels for Rafa and Kevin. <laughs> Welcome to the new layout, everyone. I feel like our energies always have to balance out. So like one of us is going to be tired no matter what. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Yeah, as the official uh, tired in chief. Uh, <laughs> so, what's happening in the in our world? I think um, we have to talk about the Twitter thing, right? I feel like has this been in the news at all? <laughs> I feel like that's all that I've been reading, like nonstop mm-hmm. for the past I don't know, couple of weeks at this point. It seems like there's there's four reports a day. <laughs> different information it's a such a thing for me i think uh in one that like in recent memory uh it's a topic that it, like it's very divisive mm-hmm. right and especially not just the topic but also the character like elon musk is a very divisive person and i think it just triggers strong reactions and opinions from people and this has been the case with like you know <laughs> modern history is the world is very divisive but usually in my own little circle it's not that divisive, right? Like, usually I'm surrounded by like-minded people who usually share my same ideals. Mm. But this one is interesting because, like, no, even in my own circle, it managed to get divisive. And, like, people that I listen to, people that I, you know, usually care about their opinions, like, even they are divisive. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I feel like I'll, I'll just start by saying this. I don't like this. I don't. I don't like how this came to be. I don't like everyone's motivations. It does affect me uh, in a very direct way, kind of. I'm not enjoying it. What about you? What's your overall mood? I am completely fascinated by the entire situation. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the overall sentiment to me, where it's I can't assign a general feeling about it necessarily. It's just I just find this so fascinating of just how all of this is is coming together and just how like i'm eagerly waiting for a sequel to hatching twitter <laughs> now that's just twitter just seems to be this company that like it would be in a tv show like you would see this show by you'd be like oh come on that's not that doesn't make any sense you know that's way over the top it's like nope like that's that's <laughs> It's like how this company operates and it continues to be that way even through multiple different ownerships and structures. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel mostly neutral on this. Like, obviously, I am very aware of 
a lot of the bad stuff and like we can get into more specifics with what we think of Elon and and some of the recent news but Mm -hmm. like yeah overall I'm kind of like a 50-50 like huh like this is this is gonna be an interesting one yeah I got a feeling that if there's a sequel to Hatching Twitter it's gonna be Crashing Twitter (laughs) starring our good boy Elon uh that would be amazing. It's especially sad, I guess, for me, because it, it, like we have talked about in this show before, it felt like Twitter was on a good trajectory, like recently. They were doing good stuff and going in the right direction, it felt like. So even more tragic that like just things are on fire right now. And of course, a lot of people were laid off. And just even the way it came to be, like the whole thing just seems to be so tragic, like so sad that it's being handled the way it is like i can understand some of the some of the opinions of like hey it's not like twitter was well managed before or ever really (laughs) so it's not like you had such a good thing and now elon is going to come and you know destroy it i I agree to that i I mean i can see that point and also like elon in itself i'll just say like because i feel like it's it's important context for this conversation but like i'm not a fan of this person i was until it felt like he just started doubling down on the bad aspects of his persona instead of doubling down on the good ones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He just started doubling down on the troll uh, part of him and the uh, just the uh, insensitive free speech weirdo crazy person kind of like you know he's been like siding more and more with like the Trumps and the Kanyes <laughs> than than necessarily like some of the in my opinion like better uh, takes on this whole. Uh, debate because like the reason why this whole thing started was and maybe i got this wrong but it was because elon was frustrated and uh i guess bothered by the whole divisive free speech type of thing on twitter the fact that twitter was not censoring but like you know having some kind of moderation on it and i guess that's what triggered the whole thing right but it's also kind of fascinating like if it feels like elon musk got sort of like ego forced to buy Twitter, essentially, right? Because <laughs> it's like Twitter, they're, they're like, yeah, Elon, like, we don't really agree with your ideas. And he's like, how about I buy all the, you know, so many stocks? Are you going to put me on your board now? And Twitter is like, yeah, no, please, like, don't, we don't really want you here. Uh, like, how about I buy your entire company now? <laughs> Like, I'm in charge. And then they're like, we really don't want you to buy us, please. Like, don't. Like, how do we get out of this? And then it's like, oh, actually, it seems like kind of a good deal for us. It's like, okay, well, now like you have to buy us. And then him seeing like, oh, this is this now seems like a terrible deal for me. How do I get out of this? It's just like such a mess. Like on both sides, it seems like both like nobody wants this essentially. And yet that's still happening anyways. Yeah. Uh, and I completely agree. Like I think Elon has a lot of opinions that I completely do not like and do not agree with and think he's absolutely wrong about. And I think he's going to be plenty more wrong like brace yourself (laughs) i think this is just gonna unleash a lot more wrong into the world uh than we've ever seen it's uh (laughs) this whole situation in a way sort of draw parallels to the um like us getting finally getting USB-C on the iPhone. It's like, it's sort of what I wanted, but not in the way that I wanted. <laughs> Actually, there's a lot about it, the situation that I like. I felt for years that Twitter needs someone 
that's strongly opinionated who can just be like, cut through the noise, just be like, hey, we're just doing this. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And like, stop second guessing and like, you know, turning around in circles. We're just going to go in that direction. I firmly believe this is right. And we're just going to go for it. Like Twitter needed more of that energy, which it seems like they're getting now. <laughs> it's just like, oh no, but we don't want all the bad sides <laughs> that come with Elon though. So yeah, I think it's a, again, that's why it's like such a fascinating topic, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I do think he's, there's a lot that he's going to get wrong, but I also think that there may be some things that he might get right. And like, we should be able to try to recognize that. Like, I, I feel like it's, you know, in this situation, it's like a, almost like a, you know, a, a broken clock that is right twice a day. It's like, you know, he'll shuffle a bunch of stuff. He'll do a bunch of things incorrectly. Like, you know, giving people a week deadline for something unless uh, otherwise they're gonna he's gonna be firing them and stuff like that it's just like really bad management and yet like it may actually change a bit of the culture for twitter for good like it's kind of this weird tricky like i don't know i think the his approach to things sounds like the opposite of the approach and culture that Twitter seemed to be cultivating and building in where like he's more whatever the opposite of thoughtful is like <sighs> it it seems like he acts on his first idea in, in like instincts and in, like let's do this it's obvious this is easy like how do we get rid of bots that's easy let's just do the thing how do we actually like moderate our platform like that's easy just go with uh, whatever country's law like he seems to be very like impulsive in that way like whatever he can think of in a moment like that's it let's just do that thing while the some of these issues are very complex <laughs> and so and you need to put in the work and actually be very thoughtful and think everything through to be fair twitter might have been like overthinking something sometimes in where they were thinking so much that they were paralyzed and they moved very slowly, if at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole like, you know, add a button thing, you know, like I understand that it's not as easy as maybe like Elon Musk can say it is. Just do it, add a tweet and show history. I understand that there's a lot of nuance that you have to think through, but if you just like keep thinking about it, you'll never actually do anything. So again, I think the sweet spot is like somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it's like the pendulum is swinging too far in the other, like from one direction to the other. Because yeah. right now it feels like, let's start charging for the blue check. And it's like, okay. like He's like, this is easy. Let's just do that. That also help fight bots. Let's charge 20 bucks a month for it with Twitter Blue. And then Stephen King was like, actually, that's stupid. I'll never pay for it. And then Elon Musk is like, well, what about eight? <laughs> eight dollars. Uh, and then like, it just feels like, okay, it seems at surface level feels like something correct in where the current model of like blue checks and the whole like verification thing, I think it's a broken model. Yeah. But like, so I'm not saying that the current implementation was good and it's wrong to try to change that at all. But then it feels like their solutions is also like missing the point. Again, I think it would benefit from a little bit more thoughtfulness and like just a bit more thinking around it. Like, hey, the blue check started because Oprah joined Twitter and there were a thousand other Oprahs. 
And she's like, how do I make sure that people know that I'm the Oprah, not <laughs> any one of us? Yeah. And they're like, all right, let's put a blue check so that people know you're the real deal. <laughs> if anyone can pay for a blue check, it changes what it is. And like, then there's the value. It's not desirable anymore if anyone can just pay for it and stuff. Did you see Zach Hall from 9to5Mac? He has a blue check, hmm. like a verified account. And he changed his name and profile picture to Elon Musk. <laughs> And has been essentially tweeting as him for a little bit. I don't know if he resented it back. It's like also still like nice. a thing you can do, I guess. Like Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. But yeah, but I agree that it, it sort of defeats the purpose. The other thing that's kind of interesting is, you know, r- reading through how bad of a deal this entire thing is for right. Elon Musk. And it seems like... Twitter kind of sort of it's kind of an interesting one where it's like it's beneficial for all of the investors but actually kind of a sideways thing for Twitter as a company Um, because now they have all this debt (laughs) because Mm -hmm. Elon had to borrow money to essentially make this acquisition and so they need a lot of money like they're not even making enough money to cover their interest payments yeah. <laughs> on their loan. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, on a yearly basis. And so they're kind of in a precarious financial spot. I mean, presumably Elon could just like keep pouring more and more money into Twitter, but it does seem like the money is not infinite. Uh, <laughs> especially like because he had to spend so much money to acquire Twitter in the first place. And so they do need to get money somehow. Like, what does Twitter have that people really want? I would say it's like one, probably getting rid of ads. And I do think that the check marks are a thing that people want. The question is, is it right to give it to them for money? And then there's the also the other angle, which is the other take on this, which is like the the opposite of the Oprah one, sort of. Uh, but it it, it kind of connects. So like the Oprah one is like okay, only the like notorious people or the people with like that are famous or that are well known should have this check mark, and so you're able to like sure see you know know who's the real one. If you're not really being impersonated on Twitter, like how necessary is that? The other argument is no, everyone should be verified. Actually, I should be able to take a picture of I don't know like my passport or my driver's license and email it to Twitter and Twitter should give me a, a, a check mark because they've been able to verify that I'm actually a real person and that this is my Twitter account. And like in that world, the check mark is a lot less of a special thing that comes with special privilege. Yeah. And it's just more like, yeah, like you are a human, you know, you are who you say you are. And maybe then they should also actually tie that to the name. <laughs> right. So that someone like Zach Call like probably shouldn't be able to change his name to Elon Musk um, <laughs> and appear as a verified user in people's timelines. So and like the this current proposal is like neither here nor there. It's like well we'll just ma- let people pay for it <laughs> because we need we need the money and it's something that people want. And I gotta say, I mean, if it's eight dollars a month, I'd probably try it. <laughs> like I'd probably be like hey, what the heck, you know? I'll have a, that blue check mark for a little bit. Probably won't pay forever, but I'd probably give it a try. <laughs> it feels like a weird thing to go after first. And especially if you want to like start by trying to make a profit, like or not even a profit, like start making money. Like their ads business right now, I think, makes $5 billion a year for Twitter. 
and I saw someone doing like some uh, some you know back of the napkin math thing. Like if every current blue check user starts paying twenty dollars a month, which by the way now they're down to eight, but whatever. If they, if all the current ones start paying twenty dollars a month for Twitter Blue to keep that check mark, it's something like it's equivalent of like thirty hours worth of like equivalent of annual ad revenue if that makes sense it's like that ad they'll make the same amount of money in 30 hours from ads right if that makes sense like what i'm trying to say is like it's not going to (laughs) change their their finances uh this is not really it but i do think a lot more people are going to buy the subscription though like more than the people who who do the blue sure 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 but you would need a lot of people i think the the challenge is how many of these blue check marks actually are going to to pay for the subscription because I can guarantee you a lot of I think a lot of celebrities actually won't yeah <laughs> you know because if it was a thing that was true from day one of Twitter then yes for sure but like I don't know is Beyonce gonna pay her $20 a month <laughs> to get the check mark it's like eh, whatever who cares already like you know how many millions of followers on there it's like whatever or maybe maybe they'll <laughs> Let them keep it. I, I don't really know what's the what's the plan with this. Also, I don't know if like Elon is aware, but Twitter Blue is not available everywhere. Like I can't pay for it because it's not available mm-hmm. in my country. So see. if that's a requirement to roll this out, uh, then by the way, you also have to make sure that Twitter Blue works in every country. And I don't know if there's like laws you need to satisfy in every specific i'm just saying like as always it feels like hey elon did you think this through by the way just 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 asking maybe maybe not at, at the end of the day just like, i'm really bummed out about this whole thing not just because yeah a lot of people are being laid off which is always it's always sad it's always tough to see but also the way they're being laid off feels weird yeah and it's just like now there's this character that i really don't care about and it goes against a lot of my own like ideals and principles running the products a service that i really enjoy and i really like it's important to me even even just from a completely skeptic view on this like twitter is a valuable asset for me like career-wise right like again all every job i got was through twitter somehow (laughs) so like you know just professionally it's a good asset and i am kind of nervous that it's being you know compromised or whatever yeah it's uh, i don't know i I don't like it that's that's all i'm saying i'm not enjoying this uh and i I don't know i don't know how i feel about that i don't know where i'm gonna go with this it's not like i'm moving away to like mastodon or whatever else uh you know we know how that goes yeah that's probably not gonna happen unless you know twitter is a really in a catastrophic state like where it's just you know yeah twitter is actually dead but that's the hard thing about social networks is that the social social networks that are successful are the ones where all the people are at. And so yep. while that continues to be true for Twitter and not true for things like Macedon, then we're probably not going to jump on there. At least I, I don't really have much interest. It's a chicken and the egg problem where the, the, but the people will only move to a different social network if there's people there. But the only way to get people there is if people move there. You know, like it's just yep. something huge has to happen in order to ignite a mass movement. <laughs> like just, uh, and that's, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. So like always, if anything else is going to pop up, maybe from this, if this is creating opportunity for competition around the social 
network uh, space, which is rare. Like that never really happens. Like social is so like saturated again because there's a lot of there's a big cost of you moving mm -hmm. from one network to another. So you almost never see that happen. The closest thing that happened recently is like TikTok, and again that was like almost like generational, if that makes sense. Like that you know it was like a generation kind of started that. So anyway, uh, cool. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Just keep in mind that like Elon Musk is a big genius. Is a person who like keeps funding their own businesses by selling promises, like in charging everyone a hundred bucks for a cyber truck. <laughs> that announcement that <laughs> you still haven't seen in he was gonna put people in Mars in ten years, ten years ago. And it's just okay, it feel it's just promises. And we're gonna put the underground tunnel connecting San Francisco to LA or whatever it was. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, this is people give him more credit, I think, than he deserves. <laughs> so, yes, Tesla is a cool product, a uh, cool company, doing some uh, creative, uh, original, new things. But also, he did not really start Tesla, by the way. But whatever. I don't want to get <laughs> go down that. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Hole. Yeah, he's a hard one to read because he'll just say so much dumb shit. Mm hmm. But then, you know, it doesn't always match what he's actually doing. So, and he may be doing worse things than what he's saying. Like, I don't really know. But that's why he's not a reliable narrator. And so I'll continue looking at, like, what are the actions that we can tell based on the reporting? And what are the things that we agree with? And what are the things that we don't? I saw some people draw comparisons with Steve Jobs, who also famously had some like yeah. not great parts of their personality like it would also fire people on the spot and all that shit although i don't think it's doesn't feel the same it's like with elon musk <laughs> you're some people like respect and like the good stuff he does despite the bad stuff like that's how i would see steve jobs like i would respect him and admire him despite his flaws with elon musk it feels like the flaws just dominate the personality it's like yeah <laughs> i'll put up with his flaws despite the good stuff that he's doing you know what i mean it's like reverse jobs seem to have stronger morals yeah. that's for sure <laughs> jesus yeah <laughs> again whether that was true it's like that's the thing too it's like we don't know any of these people mm -hmm. like i have no clue how they actually are we're just reading articles and articles on you know, on them. So that's another thing where I see when I see people like trying to defend people or like truly like vilify other people. It's like we actually like none of us really know know them and know how they are. And so our information is based on the best that's available to us on the reporting, but it's it's never a perfect mm -hmm. source of information, I feel like. So I don't know. <laughs> this week's episode of Layout is sponsored by brand new sponsor hypermatic hypermatic they make premium figma plugins that they say turn design teams into superhumans. and after seeing their website i think i agree uh so they have a, a bunch of uh, figma plugins and um they're gonna sponsor us for for a couple episodes so i thought it would be a good idea like every episode i'll let you know about a couple like some of the highlights because they have so many i've used a lot of figma plugins in my life in my career uh, I don't think I've ever seen or used Figma plugins this advanced. <laughs> so when they said premium Figma plugins, I was like, "Well, okay, what makes them premium?" I guess I know now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you about two just to start. Uh, one is called Emailify, and what it does is you can design an email template, 
and then this plugin will uh, export like production ready responsive html emails uh, directly from figma i don't know if you ever tried to code or you know <laughs> write an, uh, uh, an html email you know how impressive this is it's really impressive uh, this other one i'm gonna pick another one uh pitch deck so that's another plugin. It's it magically turns your your Figma designs into animated presentable slide decks, right? And then you can even export them to PowerPoint or uh, Keynote or <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Uh, so when I was reading this uh, and I went through some of their plugins, I thought, oh, export this as like a pitch deck. Like okay, it takes a couple frames and then maybe uses the like the magic move type of transition between them. Like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You run this plugin. It has its whole, like its own UI. <laughs> like it's it, whole interface. Very complex, like custom interface where you can take a bunch of frames from Figma that you've designed, but then, you know, you can you can design transitions between, between, um, between like the the slides you can add gifs or videos or links to slides uh you can <laughs> you can have simple password protected slide decks in the browser Do you, is, is anyone listening to me this is incredible also they have like their own like like remote thing so you can present uh like a your, your slide deck and then you can have like a remote to switch slides and stuff even even doing it from your phone it's incredible so <laughs> uh i'm gonna start with these two in the next episode i'll tell you a bit uh, more uh, about some some of the other ones that they have but go to hypermatic.com uh we have our own like referral link just that'll just let them know that you 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 know you listen to this it would help us <laughs> right so use the use the link that is in our show notes uh but you know also you can just go to hypermatic.com Look at all of their uh, premium Figma plugins, and all of them are like free to trial. They all have their own like free trial thing. So you know, just just look at all of the selection that they have, and uh, it's seriously seriously impressive. So uh, go check them out, and uh, uh, I want to thank Hypermatic for sponsoring Layout. Did you see the thing that uh, Paul Stammy has been working on? I did see that. What's the name? Is it Rewind AI? Yeah. Yeah, so that's really interesting. So that's actually based on quite an old idea. I remember hearing John Syracuse talk about something like this hmm. a while back, which is like a old computing idea, which is essentially, it'd be amazing if everything you do on your computer was actually recorded like all the time imagine a screen recording of an entire screen and then you could go back and rewind <laughs> rewind it's uh, a good name back in time back to anything that you've done because there's so many stuff you see all day every day and you're like i remember i saw this picture somewhere was it on instagram was it something that someone sent me on slack was it a message or did someone share their screen on Zoom? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that you as a human, you're like, I remember I saw this on my screen. But, you know, we often have the problem of like, yes, but where was it? Like, even within within an app, you know? And so I think what 
Rewind seems to be doing is bringing that concept to life. Um, so it's a, a native Mac OS app that I actually don't know a lot about about a lot of the the technical aspects Same, of yeah. it, but it seems like it's essentially doing a screen recording, um, and it's relying on the fact that um, Apple Silicon is just fast enough <laughs> that you can essentially have a permanent screen recording going. But it can't be a screen recording because that would produce a massive video file. Well, you probably don't need like a what is it like 30 60 frames a second right like you can probably get rid of a lot of these frames but yeah like i would bet that that must use a huge amount of data on your computer and i don't know i wonder how far back you can rewind and maybe you just scope it to the day they said you can set it to like always like you can set like rewind a a day a week a month or forever so that's an option. Yeah, I don't know. I'm very, very curious about this. Um, especially because they have essentially the requirement that things must be local, right? Because this is recording literally everything that you're doing. So yeah. um, sending stuff to the server, which would actually, you know, from a product standpoint, make sense because <laughs> you don't want to store all of that, that data on your, on your computer um, actually doesn't work strategically for what kind of product this is. Yeah. So I do think it's really interesting. I would be very curious to actually try it and play with it. I know they have an early access of it, but I haven't signed up for that yet. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that has the potential to change how you use a, a computer and how you think of a computer it also seems to leverage things like you know they because you can't actually go back like they're this is essentially a hack for your computer right like um again this is my interpretation that is just a screen recording essentially mm-hmm. uh, of your screen and so when they show you selecting the text like it's not actually a live text it's just like using the feature on Mac OS that lets you select text for from images. Like you and you can't go back and like re-summon this window. I mean maybe they'll try to like do some state restoration at some point in the future, but so yeah, I don't know. I think it's a really interesting idea. I want to see them push it as far as possible, but I do feel like the end game for something like this to be truly successful seems like it's just for Apple to acquire them, I guess. <laughs> it's like, please acquire us. <laughs> Put this into your operating system. Yeah. Um, so that it actually can fulfill the dream that, that we're selling. So I don't know. I think this is very interesting. And there's some some good people on that. But yeah, I'll have to reserve judgment on actually trying it to see if it, if it actually works well. I think I, I would need to use it to... I think I, very quickly I would be able to understand exactly what's happening and like what can it do because if to your point if it's just a screen recording and let's say it captures a frame every like five minutes or something which wouldn't really make sense because then let's say if you're scrolling through a web page reading an article you know maybe you scroll through the whole page in like three minutes or something and so i guess it would still need to be quite a frequent capture of the screen Again, I don't know. But then if it's only selecting the text, again, the like macOS built-in functionality uh, feature of doing that, then like they highlighted a like a use case of hey, if you went back to like a meeting or something, you can click the URL to open that that 
Google Doc or whatever it was that it said. But if this is screen recording it, if I'm using Safari, like in the URL bar, I will only see the like the domain. So how how would I be able to click on the link, you know, or revisit that web page based on a screen recording? Well, I have the solution. They're using Chrome in their demo, so <laughs> and their version of Chrome shows the entire URL. <laughs> but even then, what if it's a really long yep. URL and it's like truncated? Like rewind wouldn't be able to know, so there's got to be more. I think I feel like there's got to be more. Maybe it's a conjunction of all things, like keyloggers and I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. It's fascinating. <laughs> I'm into it. I want to try. It. I signed up for their early access thing. I'm still waiting, but um, yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, and those are I feel like bold, interesting computing projects mm-hmm. that I feel like we don't hear about very often. And certainly, we don't see many startups kind of take these things on themselves. Because you, you think about this and you'd be like, come on, you've got to be you know, built into the operating system to actually do this yeah. well. They're just like, yeah, no, like we're, you know, we're going to go as far as, as we can and being independent. I think that's, that's really interesting. And it's uh, refreshing to see, a little bit to your point, uh, a take on the future of computing that actually includes computers right like it's not like the future computing is this ai projection on your hands <clears throat> human humane whatever or like the future of computing is the vr and the metaverse whatever this is like no it's just like an app <laughs> that is running you know mm. which is refreshing right what do you think i know it's like changing topics a little bit but what do you think about humane and how it seems like they garner so much hate on, online like i just there i feel like there's something that i missed there's I, i've missed maybe a meeting or something where we all talk about how we all really dislike humane but i'm like they seem cool like it seems like they're doing a lot of interesting things um why are people so against them <laughs> that's do we have another show uh my take and i guess how i felt in my own little like turn <laughs> uh it's just Ken, what's his name? Kachenda, Kachenda became increasingly annoying on Twitter and just like throwing a bunch of like little, you know, hate or whatever, just being very controversial in ways that it was very annoying to, in, in a little bit like hypocrite. There was some hypocrisy in some of their takes of like, no one likes the skeuomorphism. Skeuomorphism is bad. Uh, fun, delightful moments in design is bad. Like, you shouldn't worry. You shouldn't spend time in animations. Like a bunch of things that, like, hey, wait a minute. We kind of all agree that no, that's that's just a bad take and a bit hypocrite in a way. They're like, aren't you the person that did the keyboard, iOS keyboard, and like a bunch of little skeuomorphism things and little delightful moments that kind of made the thing. So like, what are you talking about? It just feels like mm-hmm. why are you just being old man? I think the big one was when Ken just went against the dynamic island. The whole Twitter was like, hey, this is pretty cool, isn't it? And everyone was like, yeah. But then Ken was like, hold up a minute. No, it's not. It's awful. No, no one likes skeuomorphin in this way. No one likes cute animations. Like, you shouldn't do that. So it's just that character became more and more annoying. I've muted them a long time ago. <laughs> and then the whole company around, like, Humane, it's like they just keep tearing down other things while hyping their own product without really saying anything. In that, it's just, it gets to a point, I think, if you overhype 
or just hype for too long without showing anything, people just become annoyed at it. And like, okay, now just shut up. Like, if you want us to care about Humane, show us something that we can, like, talk about it. Otherwise, if you're just, like, a group of people saying that you're the shit, all uh, ex-Apple employees, and we're going to build the future, and everyone else... <laughs> it sucks and they're dumb and apple is awful now and like okay but what what do you have to show for like you know why whatever <laughs> i think that's my take that's how kind of like i just turned on human like all right it, it became Tell us how you really feel <laughs> <laughs> it started as like something exciting like ooh, they're doing like what seems to be a hardware thing and like we haven't seen really like any innovation in that field in a really long time these people have the portfolio and the resume they're like okay it feels like they have delivered and built hardware products that really change everything right like worked on iphone or whatever so it felt really exciting but then for what it's been a year or even more like years the only thing we hear is them criticizing and bashing other people whilst not showing or doing anything cool it's just well then sorry i'm annoyed at you (laughs) That's my take. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So I guess it's just people don't really resonate with uh, Ken. <laughs> it's essentially what I'm getting out of this. Uh, sure. That's which, which is fair. I think I disagree with him on a bunch of stuff. I do think Humane seems really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be the next runaway success? Eh, like, I think we'll have to see. Well, we don't even know what it is, right? Like, how can we even say that? Right? What is it? Yeah, fair. Like, what do you think it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we only know what, what the little bits that we're able to tell, right. where it seems to be some sort of uh, projection based interface in, onto your environment, right? So you'd have this like little, I don't know, like tiny projector that would project something on your environment. And then it's a mm-hmm. sort of, I don't even know if it's interactive or not, but moving beyond the actual screen to do computing related things um and i feel like there's one clear path that people are pointing to with moving beyond the screen which are like the headsets that are on your face this is trying to show an alternative to that of like hey let's not actually strap tiny screens onto your face like how about we do something different and it seems like they're kind of going towards projection oriented stuff they may go in a different in a different direction though i don't really know at this point like i think they're still sort of in stealth mode although they're like starting to share a bit more Mm -hmm. but i feel like at least from my perspective just seeing uh imran and bethany and the rest of the team like their track record you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt like you've got to like even if their thing is a complete commercial failure it's gotta be interesting yeah like it's gotta be interesting when when they release it like these are strongly opinionated people that are highly talented in all the stuff that they do even someone like ken which again i disagree with a lot of their opinions like hard to argue that this is not someone who's like super talented in what they do so i am personally extremely excited to see them reveal more of what they do and i think it's going to be really interesting i think it's going to at the very least spark some conversations setting aside the fact that you know will it be a commercial success or not that i kind of question because it's hard to start a hardware based business today at the 
level of ambition that it seems like they have. That seems unlikely to me. But uh, hey, I mean, I'm all for it if they can bring the next generation of computing, <laughs> you know, go at it. But um, but yeah, so I I remain as interested and curious as ever as to what's happening there. And I'm just really curious to see more innovation in the, the interaction design space. Uh, I mean, I'm also still very curious and I'm looking forward to it. It's just like, until they do, I'm not going to pay attention to what their employees are saying or their hot takes or the, what the, even the company, like they did a whole like ad, right? Like a, like a short film or something that said nothing. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm sorry. You lost me there. Like I, I was hyped now I'm just like, all right, I'll, I give up. Let me know when you have something. I'll come back. But like, until then, I'm out. <laughs> all right. And I think it was, was it Gruber or whatever? No. Draw a comparison of like... Everyone. <laughs> imagine that Apple, three years or four years before they announced the iPhone, started teasing a new thing is coming, a new thing is coming, is going to revolutionize everything. Everyone else sucks. Phones suck. That's not how you do it computers that sucks that's not how you do it and just like teasing and teasing and hyping and hyping and and just shutting down everyone else like four years or three years leading up to the iphone uh it's just i don't think it would sit the same like it's not uh whatever so that's a comparison it's probably a bad one but (laughs) yeah i mean they don't have a real product though and so they have to hire interesting smart people in order to build their vision and knowing that it is going to take a while what do you do like i'm i'm not sure that i would necessarily do something much different like they can't be completely dead silent and have zero presence if they're going to hope to attract the kind of people that they want to attract and so it's how do you walk the fine line between sort of inspiring and attracting the right kind of folks so that you can build your vision while also recognizing that you kind of have nothing to show for yourself. Like, that's of what you were talking about. And so. And it was uh, the most revealing thing from this whole experience of seeing this the company build, not in public, but like hyping it in public. It's like, oh, I get why Apple doesn't allow their employees to really like talk much online or like. <laughs> <laughs> talk about any topic that could be related to what they're doing at work because hey maybe these are all ex-apple employees right so they spent years not being able to say anything and now all of a sudden hey do you want to tweet <laughs> like sure i'll tweet uh and then just like ooh, no 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 maybe that's not good for the company again with the exception of ken there are a lot of people in this company and i think they're doing just fine for themselves <laughs> true We are sponsored once again by Fable. Fable is a leading accessibility platform that is powered by people with disabilities. Fable moves organizations away from worrying about compliance to building incredible and accessible user experiences, which is what we all want to do and what we all care about. Fable Engage connects digital teams to people with disabilities remotely and on demand for accessibility research and testing. Fable Upskill provides custom accessibility training for digital teams to gain skills to build inclusive products. There's tons of companies who use Fable, including Walmart, Shopify, Slack, and Asana, 
and they trust Fable to meet their accessibility testing, training, and research needs. Uh, and over the years, digital teams that work with Fable have helped to improve accessibility for over 1 billion people with disabilities. This is some serious impact, and you definitely need Fable on your team to help you with these kinds of challenges. So where do you go to find out more? You go to makeitfable.com slash layout. That's makeitfable.com slash layout. Uh, and you can find out more. You can sign up, give it a try. It's absolutely worth it. I highly recommend it. So go check it out. And our thanks to Fable for sponsoring this week's episode of Layout. Okay, uh, let's let's recommend some stuff and call it a show. I can go first. Yeah, go for it. I want to recommend Andor. Not Indoor, but Andor. <laughs> Not the logic operand and or, uh, I mean the, the <laughs> Disney Plus Star Wars show called Andor. Not the planet Andor, but Andor as in Cassian Andor, the main character. I don't know about you, but like when I saw the first uh, couple trailers for the show, I was like, cool. I don't know. I think I was hitting a bit of Star Wars fatigue and I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't get as excited for it as, let's say, Obi-Wan, right? The their show. Which I've watched maybe an episode and a half of oh. like i completely do not care about star wars <laughs> okay like i just it happened do not care <laughs> it's like star wars is marvel now okay i don't care about anything okay <laughs> anymore fair enough but tell me i have heard positive yeah. things about Andor compared to a lot of the other shows though so may, maybe that's going to be the one to bring me back i will tell you i was not excited for it, it was, i think just the context right it was not i'm not like a diehard fan like, i would watch it regardless no, I was actually pretty checked out at that point and did not watch it until I think it was like episode five or six or whatever had come out at that point. And then I just saw enough tweets saying that this show is really good, actually, that I was like, you know, fine, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. And uh, it's really, really, really good show, especially in the sense that like if it was not Star Wars related, like if it was just, I don't know, a separate fiction world show. It's a really good show on its own. Like, it doesn't need the Star Wars baggage mm. to make sense or be enjoyable. No, it's like it, it doesn't care about Jedi's or whatever. It's like about this pretty, pretty much new characters. Even the main character, which we've seen on Rogue One, like, it's not like a character that you really know. So, it also has to develop new characters and do their work. In a way that, like, Obi-Wan doesn't really need to. Right? Like, oh, you know them. It's Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin, you know. So it has to do the work. And it's just really, really, really good writing. I think it's the best writing I've seen in a Star Wars show, for sure. Uh, and a Star Wars property, really. So writing is really good. It's, like, weirdly, like, mature. Like, there's sex. Okay. <laughs> which, not, like, explicit. There's no actual sex scene. But, like... There was a couple of scenes that are like pretty obvious, like, oh, these guys just bang. Like, you know, like, like clearly there's sex <laughs> happening here and it's very like adult in that way. It's definitely the most like mature Star Wars thing I've seen. And it's, uh, even in the way it's like put together the story, it feels like every three episodes makes up like its own little like self contained ish arc right so you can clearly see like all right the first three mm -hmm. episodes are like about something and then the second three are quite different actually uh and to be sure to be clear like the first three are actually i think the slowest so which can be a bit 
you know, if you're getting into the show, just know that like after those three right first episodes, it gets it changes and it's really good. So yeah, anyway, just I've been enjoying it, and uh, we're on episode uh, I think nine is coming up this week, and it's a twelve episode show, which is quite long uh and it's already been picked up for a second season also 12 episodes so there's a lot of story here and yeah if you enjoyed rogue one in any way there's a lot of that in here i think it's like from the same creators as well right how about if you didn't like rogue one (laughs) is there a chance you will like this there's a chance for sure (laughs) okay (laughs) you did not like so i shouldn't lose all hope no absolutely not (laughs) i loved rogue one uh okay interesting yeah I think they had a chance to make a good movie. It's just like through all the reshoots and retakes, it seems like they've yeah. like lost <laughs> much of the essence of this movie. But uh, cool. I mean, if I ever have a break in my TV watching <laughs> schedule, I'll uh, try to make space for it and uh, I'll circle back. So my recommendation this week is Dahmer, the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer story on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Everyone's been talking about this gonna be talking about it too this is clearly not for everyone <laughs> we sort of watch this at night like admittedly very slowly like one episode at a time and then after that we always watch something else <laughs> to just line the mood <laughs> before bed like a little palate cleanser because it's yeah because it's very heavy yeah i can't go to sleep after watching this <laughs> yeah it's very heavy don't get me wrong but it's so well done like as a show, it's so interesting um, the way that they've they've told the story because it's I mean it's a pretty well known like based on a real story kind of thing. So I'm just fascinated by the choices they make throughout the episodes of this. So again, this is not really a spoiler because it's a thing that's happened for real. But the first episode shows the last person hmm. he tried to murder and he gets arrested on the first episode <laughs> and then from there the episodes go sort of backwards and forwards in time at the same time <laughs> and so it's really interesting how they like decided to like chop up this story and tell it in different timelines at the same time mm-hmm. and just the way they like do certain episodes around specific people and help you understand a lot of the context of society and like all the different ripple effects that this has had. The acting is absolutely stellar, like across the board. Uh, Evan Peters is absolutely incredible. The person who plays um, Jeffrey Dahmer's father, Lionel Dahmer, it's just absolutely like incredible. Like needs to win an award for this acting. It's just <laughs> so so good. So yeah, I, I really do recommend it if you feel at all like this is the kind of thing that you can watch. Which I admit this is not for everyone, but it is a very very well made TV show, and it's the sort of meta aspect of it I found very interesting. Of just how do you tell a story that you know a lot of people already know well they do it in a really interesting way so i really have to check it out it's been on our list for a while uh we had a little breakup netflix and i um but uh okay are you back resubscribed because the great british bake-off was again and that's ah. that and then um <laughs> this is how they get you <laughs> love is blind also came back and uh that's been playing in this house so yeah Okay, I'll give it a shot. 
Although White Lotus started again. We started it yesterday. <laughs> yes, I watched the first episode. I'm so glad that it's back. You haven't finished your Caprese. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I will just watch anything that she's in. There's a very niche like subgenre of shows which is like making fun of Americans abroad. <laughs> <laughs> this season seems to hit really well. Like, ooh, yeah. Ooh, can you please try to pronounce that Italian word again? Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> that hit the spot. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no, cool. no, this is so good. Uh, um, yeah, I'll be curious to see how White Lotus season two evolves over time. It feels... I, I can't quite put my finger on it yet, but it feels different from season one. Hmm. Not only because of they've used a different Instagram filter uh, <laughs> on the images, but this, from a tone perspective, uh-huh. seems a little different, but um, still very, warm. very interesting. The first season, yes, this season is more more normal. Still heavily filtered, but more normal tone range. Uh, still color. very warm, though. Just very orangey. Yeah, yeah, but the first one was yeah. yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yellow the show yeah cool so yeah i recommend lotus the the white lotus for sure cool all right everyone uh let's wrap this up you can follow us on twitter at layout fm you cannot follow us on mastodon um but uh you know <laughs> actually you can follow me at rafahari although we exist somewhere on there but we're there i'm at rafahari kevin is at vernal kick on twitter uh our our website is layout.fm that's where we have all the show notes you know when we mentioned show notes i don't know if we did this episode but Anything we mentioned, there's links to it, usually. Um, check that out uh, over there on our website. And our, our thanks to both our sponsors this week, Hypermatic. Uh, check them out at hypermatic.com. And uh, Fable. Make it fable.com slash layout. They have a special URL as well. So uh, check them out. And our huge thanks to the both to, for sponsoring this week's episode. And I'll talk to you all on the next one. Goodbye. All right. Bye. finished your caprese. <laughs> 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 <laughs>